to your, your courts of thanksgiving uh, and through your gates with praise. Father, we believe you. Jesus, you promised that when we gather together in your name, that you'd be present. So we acknowledge your presence, Lord. And we, we, just, we just recognize that this, this time and this place is holy because we're gathered together in your name. Father, I pray that each and every person here could experience uh, an encounter with you in a, in a real way, Father, in a tangible way. Uh, Lord, and I pray that you'd help me communicate uh, the message uh, that I have this morning in a way that brings edification and, 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 and helps and encourages I submit all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so we're talking about thanksgiving, and uh, as I mentioned last week, that's a compound word. There's thankfulness and there's giving. The idea uh, are, are connected together. So we're kind of, this whole point of the series is to see the connection between gratitude and generosity. Last week we looked at a, a, a Old Testament scripture about God's hope uh, for his children, a future and a hope, and, it, and it's a hope and a future that is filled with abundance. I don't know if you remember the phrase that thanksgiving will pour out of the windows and laughter will spill out of the doors, and, and, and uh, what a joyful image that was. And in the New Testament, talked about the sacrifices of praise and sharing, the sacrifice of sharing and, and giving and, and, and koinonia, which we'll touch on again in a, in a little bit. But at the end of the message, I also talked about just some uh, practical things or some uh, facts about the church and that 20% um, of our church congregation, and this is, this is really filtered. We, we took time. Now, we did this, just so you know, I don't look at individual giving records, and I didn't compile these numbers. One of the administrators did, and, and we can do all of this without looking at individual names. The software that we use can punch out all kinds of different reports, but we, we made sure it was just people that were, were actually attenders. Uh, we had the uh, not just uh, people who visit or, or children, <laughs> you know, and families. And just, to, I wanted to be honest, I realized I need to communicate this more than once so that everybody hears it and understands it. Uh, and this is not to make anybody feel bad, it's just to communicate truth, because I want you to feel freedom. I want, I want, you know, I have a vision, I'll communicate that in a second, but, you know, 20% give nothing, 20% give actually between one and five dollars a week. Now, of course, there are many uh, people that are giving faithfully, and really the church is able to succeed and, and do what, what we are able to do because a uh, number of people give way beyond um, uh, uh, of what they're required. And, and you know, and this, this teaching is really just out of obedience. Our year-to-date giving is up over last year, and last year's was up over the year before that. Uh, it's not out of desperation. It's out of a, a desire for uh, each of us to understand the biblical uh, principles of giving and how, uh, really, I believe I want to inspire uh, an optimistic or an optimism uh, question of what can we attain? You know, this is what we're operating with 40% actually not financially contributing. And so uh, what can we attain if everybody was... Uh, was giving fully, uh, giving, and what would that change in the people's lives, as we're going to talk about, that there's a blessing that comes. And so I'm asking you to, uh, to, to have a mindset change, and maybe you're one of the faithful ones. Well, what, what mindset can you change? Will you believe with me that everyone that calls New Day their church would be 100%, that would give a full amount? Can you believe with me? Can you get, get a vision for not, oh, we can just maintain 
I'm actually kind of tired as a pastor. I've uh, been pastoring now for over 25 years. <clears throat> and I'm grateful for all that we have in a nice building. And it's warm in here. It's not cold. Are you happy about that? Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> you know, uh, that's because we paid the heating bill. Uh, you know, but, but thank you. Yeah, thank you for providing that, by the way, Seth. <laughs> he works for consumers, if you didn't know. Um, <clears throat> But uh, what I'm tired of is like, oh, how can we stretch, you know, another, you know, three nickels out of this dime? You know, how can we make, uh, when, when, we, when we were thinking about Thanksgiving uh, decorations, we actually spent probably an hour and a half running through ideas of how could we get some decorations because we had no money to buy them. An hour and a half, and, and then they, so one of the ladies, three people were sitting around, four. I exaggerate an hour. We, we went back and forth, but then someone found out that these you can buy these two for a dollar, and so you know, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to worry about those kind of things? It, you know, and I'm not talking about extravagance, because I, I just won't be extravagant in that way, because I'm kind of a penny pincher. <laughs> but using having the finances that we can uh, do what God's called us to do, and, and a vision for that. All right. Second, uh, actually, uh, someone once uh, told me, actually, uh, about a month or two ago, I was sharing uh, and um, uh, the whole vision of giving. And this individual said that a co-worker, he mentioned to his co-worker that he, he gave to the church. You can go to the next slide. And uh, the co-worker uh, actually said uh, uh, to him that you'd have to be a blanking idiot to give the church. You know, he was like, wow, and his co-worker said, you have to be a blanking idiot. I was like, really? I'm like, what did you say? He said, well, I can't, you know, it's like kind of nothing, you know. And, but and I got thinking about that. And I'm like, you know what, that makes perfect sense. Because the co-worker was not a believer. He didn't go to church. He didn't have an active relationship with God. He doesn't know anything about church. And so, of course, that's what a non-believer would think, that you'd have to be an idiot. A blanking fool to give money to the church. And so people who don't believe God, this is what I was thinking, I was actually driving down the road, kind of processing, processing this. Like people that don't believe God don't give to God. That makes sense, doesn't it? They don't give, they don't give. And so no faith, right, equals no giving. No faith equals no giving. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Of course. And we wouldn't expect someone on the street just to come. You know, we don't get, occasionally we get gifts to the mail, anonymous, but, you know, they're probably believers. <laughs> I don't think I've ever received money from a non-believer. Here's $100,000 going to do something with it. You know? But the, the thing is, with that little equal sign, it's very powerful. Because if no faith equals no giving, then it's simple logic to say the next line, which is no giving equals no faith. logic right and so you have to ask yourself really if you're not giving to God faithfully it's because you don't have faith and I want you to have faith we don't we don't want to live our Christian life this way this is not what we're called to live I think I've made my point <laughs> that's what I respond I was like wow yeah okay there is a direct connection between our level of faith and our giving 
uh, just like there would be if you were an, an unbeliever. And so I challenge you to be people of faith. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is actually uh, two chapters of Paul's writing to the church in Corinth about a special collection that he's been uh, 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 asking all of the churches that he planted to participate in. And they're collecting money for an offering for the ch- to be sent to the church, which is in Jerusalem, which was undergoing a, a lot of uh, difficulty. And so um, this is a, is a unique offering. It's a special offering. But the principles that he expounds in these next two chapters apply to all New Testament uh, giving, all right? So what he's talking about specifically is a special collection, um, but the principles uh, about New Testament giving uh, apply. And so we're going to look at two portions of of chapter 8 and chapter 9 and find uh, the principles that that we need to carry. And, And just saying, two whole chapters are on giving. And you know, financial issues are all throughout the scriptures. And some people have calculated how many verses have to do with money, and I can't remember. <clears throat> but there's a lot of them. But here, Paul takes two whole chapters just to talk about money. And so it's not only an appropriate thing that needs to be preached on, it's, it's, it's a required, it's, it's essential. And if one thing I've done as a pastor is I've, I've neglected this area, because frankly, I don't like talking about money. Uh, I like to go do stuff. <laughs> I like to preach the other stuff. I find it more fun. But uh, um, this is an important thing, so we want to jump into it. Uh, we're just kind of going to go through this verse by verse, beginning with um, chapter 8, verse 7 and 8. It says, But you, as you abound in everything... <clears throat> In faith, so he's writing to the church in Corinth. We're kind of jumping in the middle of this letter. Um, but he, he's talking, or he'd already introduced the idea of, of the collection and of giving. And he, and, and he says, as you abound in everything, he's reminding these uh, uh, Christians that they abound in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. See that you abound in this grace also. So the verses previously, he's already talking about the financial gift uh, that he's collecting, and and this verse applies to that. He says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love uh, by the diligence of others. So as Paul is talking about giving, he says it's not by commandment. All right? We're not under the law in that sense. We're not slaves that are required to give by compulsion. Do you understand that? This is a New Testament principle. Paul is saying, You're not, I'm not commanding you to do this. All right? So in that sense, no, we're not under the law. But, it, but that doesn't exempt us from this, from this obedience. It just changes the motivation. All right? We're not slaves. We're to do this out of sonship, that we're sons and daughters of the king. We do this because it's part of the participation of being a, a, a faith community. We're not obligated. It's not under obligation, but it's, under, it's, it's an expression of our new nature that's been birthed in us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a huge difference between doing something out of obligation and out of commandment versus doing something out of love and, 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 and relationship. And, but... It does say, it's interesting that he says, and Paul compares directly, not just Paul, but God in Scripture compares directly the Corinthians' faith, 
their speech, their ability to communicate the truth, their knowledge of godly things, their diligence, and even their love with giving. He says, as you abound in all these things, abound also in this. In what? In financial giving. And he calls it a grace. Wow. So this elevates the issue of being faithful in financial giving up to the level of diligence, of knowledge, of love. And it's an act of grace when you do it out of the right motivation. It's a test. He says, God says in his word, listen, you know, can this be any more obvious? How much interpretation does this scripture need? That this is a test of your sincerity of your love. What is? Financial giving is a test of the sincerity of your love. You know, again, I would not say that if it wasn't in Scripture. You almost want to have an argument with God. But he knows what he's talking about. And Paul reminds them of this. And so it's appropriate for Christian leaders to remind the people, hey, this is a, a test of the sincerity of your love. And we, we remember that the Greek word koinonia, which is the word that most often translated fellowship. We learned last week that in, there's three parts to it. It's participation, that you're actively involved in the community, that you bring, you, you work together. You're, you're a participant, not just an observer, not just uh, someone that comes and goes, uh, but someone that's actively involved, that there's intimacy, there's, there's communion, there's relationship, there's openness of heart uh, and home, there's fellowship, but there's also contributions. So the word koinonia itself means all these things, and the Contribution is actually talking about a material giving of, of substance, financial or, or, or things, uh, to the, 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 for the good of the whole. And all three of those, we need all three parts. You can't just give money and not do anything. If you do, you're not getting the, the whole of koinonia. You can't just be really involved but not financially give. If you do that, you're not, you're, again, you're only getting one-third. Of, of the blessing that God wants you to have. We need to have all three working. My vision is to see everybody that's, uh, that calls New Day Community Church 100% in all three of these areas. All right? Because then, then the church will go to another level. The church would explode, I'm telling you. In every way, it would. Okay, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So Paul turns the attention to our example, and our motivation should always be following the example of Jesus Christ. He says, look at what Jesus did. He gave everything. Though he was rich, what's that talking about? It's talking about when he was in heaven and had everything. All right? He chose to humble himself and come down and... and, 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 and take on the form of a human and actually be born in a stable, right? Uh, homeless. And so he, he came down, to, he, he gave everything he had, but he went further than that. He even gave his life, right? He says, that's our example. That's our motivation. And he goes on in verse 10, it says, and, and, and in this I give advice. It is to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. <laughs> you know, he's so tactful. <clears throat> that as there was a readiness and desire, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. 
Wanting to give or intending isn't enough. You actually have to do it. <laughs> a lot of people have good intentions, right? Where's that? Where's, where's the road? See, yeah, that's good. I'm glad I didn't have to say that. <laughs> so desire, a willing heart, plus actually doing it. He says that's how you get the advantage. You might want to do a lot of great things for God. I know people that spend their whole life wanting to do great things for God. And they never seem to get around to it. And I pity them. Because they'll never get the advantage. Rather than just going and doing it. They're waiting for something else. And it never happens. And you have to make action. You have to put action to your willingness. Verse 12 says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. It's a really important scripture concerning giving. And this scripture, I'm, I'm so thankful for God that it's in, in, the, in the Bible. Because what this says is that you don't have to give what you don't have. All right? <laughs> really? It's like, listen, I'm not asking, God says, I'm not asking you to give anything you don't have. There's not, there's not an expectation that you have to give beyond what you have. Right? You need to have a willing heart, willing to give, and then out of what you have, that's what you give. If you don't have it, you can't give it. Now this really applies to an issue, and I'm going to talk about tithing next week. Uh, but the back tithe, you know, people get behind, and, and, and if you come to a repentance and, and you acknowledge that it, it, you really you were wrong and not tithing, what do you do? You know, boy, do you calculate how much you owe? And I don't believe that's true. This is a scripture that says, no, you don't have that. You know, if it's all setting in a bank account, yeah. <laughs> but if your bank account looks like mine, we'll pray forgiveness, okay? <laughs> all right. Uh, it's the willing heart and then out of what you have that you give uh, and, and, and so there's a yeah I believe it it's a freedom there there's not guilt and if you really don't have if you're not making anything then you, you there's no obligation to give but if you make a dollar there's there's obligation to give and, and we'll get to the reason for that in the next page of notes if I get there all right <laughs> um, uh, verse 13 says for I do not mean that Others should be eased and you burdened, verse 14, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack and their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over and he who gathered little had no lack. Oh, this is a beautiful picture of New Testament koinonia. This is Paul teaching the baby church um, about what it means to live in a faith community. That, that as each church and each congregation gives what, out of what they have, then the needs of all are met. <clears throat> um, and, and it compares, it's a New Testament giving is directly compared to gathering of manna in the Old Testament. That quote, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack was referring to when the Israelites went out and gathered manna. And it didn't matter how much someone worked to gather a whole bunch, and if someone else, uh, you know, maybe they were older or handicapped in some way, and they were only able to give a little, gather a little bit, when they got back to their tent, they all had the same amount. You know, yeah, and this went on for 40 years. 
I bet you some people got smart. <laughs> they all realized it, you know, they all worked the same. They all had to go out and work. They all had to go out and gather. Um, they couldn't hoard it. What happened when they hoarded it? Yeah, rotted. So actually, you can take all, since this applies, this, this New Testament example takes manna as a comparison to financial um, giving. Uh, you can take this and look at all the other aspects of, of manna and say, how do they compare? So if I hoard money, what's it going to do to my finances? It's going to get infested. All right. Oh, I won't go down that road. That's another teaching. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> As each individual gives and does their share, the needs of all are met. And that reminds us of the verse in Ephesians 4.16. It says, from whom the whole body joined, also talking about the church, the whole body joined knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth for the body of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And here there's, there's all three aspects of koinonia are talked about. Every joint supplies, that means you bring something to the table. Okay, you, you, don't, you put something in the basket or online or with your PayPal app, however you want to do it. <laughs> you know, but you also, every part does its share. You, you're, you're actually doing something. You're actively involved. You're participating as well as contributing. And they edify itself in love. There's the intimacy aspect of it. There's a relationship aspect of it. So it's a picture of New Testament church. Uh, fulfilled. See, we're going to jump down to 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 5, and look at some more uh, uh, principles from these chapters about giving in the New Testament. Paul says in, in verse 5 of chapter 9, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort. Uh, so it's interesting that it is necessary to exhort the church about giving. All right? And, and, and no one's ever complained to me about preaching about giving, but that's probably because I never preach about giving. <laughs> I literally cannot remember. I don't think I've ever preached about giving. If I have, I don't remember it. <clears throat> but it's necessary. So I repent. I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to try to schedule this more often to, to bring this uh, up. Um, and so Paul writes, I, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So he actually sent people in advance. How would you like it if the next guest minister we had uh, come? actually had a delegation uh, come a month or so before to start taking the offering for when they come. How would you feel about that? Honestly, I wouldn't have them come to our church. <laughs> but that means we wouldn't have Paul come to our church. Ouch. Yeah, Paul wasn't collecting for himself, but it did meet his needs, the money that they came in meant it needs that money that particular offering was being collected for someone else uh to be taken to the church actually to the church in jerusalem so it was it was an offering for the church and then the church in jerusalem used it to distribute to the needs of the saints there so um yeah it just challenges us doesn't it and it challenges me uh, but he, the reason his motivation was that it would be a matter of generosity and not grudging obligation he sent these in advance, not just to collect the money. He wanted to make sure they were, the motivation was right. He wanted to make sure that they were giving out of uh, uh, generosity and not obligation. 
And so he didn't want to come. And he was actually doing it out of, uh, out of love. But it reveals that giving is a heart issue. Generosity or grudging obligation, those are issues of the heart, aren't they? Isn't it interesting that when money comes up, heart issues are revealed? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I was thinking, during worship, I was thinking about this, you know, the, the saying that you, you, you reach a man's heart by his stomach, right? I said, but if you touch his money, you'll see his passion. <laughs> All right. And so we need to deal with just the, the honesty that money reveals heart issues and we have to have our heart issues right and not be giving a, a grudging obligation but generosity but that means that we give out of generosity and he says to prepare your generous gift beforehand so preparing your gift beforehand is a principle that new testament believers should have well in place that they prepare beforehand they know what they're going to be giving and they're ready to do this i do this personally whenever uh, in a number of ways um, first of all, I, I actually have a bill calendar. I know what my bills are going to be each month. Um, you know, uh, uh, I do live paycheck by paycheck. Uh, I, I'm working on that. Uh, but the first bill I pay, the first bill listed on my bill calendar is my tithe. And as a habit for years, I always pay that first. I used to write checks. I'd write that check first as a, just a sign that that's the first one I write. Now I pull up my, pay fo my phone and, and I do it, bing. You know, I don't have to write a check. I use the PayPal app. Uh, hi, Carrie. <laughs> um, she was just exercising her hand because it's, be healed in Jesus' name. Um, I also, when we have guest ministries, I always pray ahead of time. You know they're going to ask for a special offering. And so I, or if I go to a conference, I actually pray prayerfully consider what the offering I usually argue with God for a while and I usually have the amount already set you know why because I don't want to be just you know jerked around by somebody giving a good offering talk all right and you know and, and God can move on me at some points he has and I say you I had decided to give a hundred I'm gonna give another hundred I was at a meeting uh, I think it was this year maybe last year and they were doing an offering for orphans and actually as a church I just decided we're gonna give a thousand dollars it was a church. We gave $1,000. We're feeding an orphan in some country. I don't remember where. Uh, <clears throat> we took care of the needs of a child for a whole year. And that was just, you know. Um, so preparing beforehand does three things. It demonstrates that you're operating out of generosity and not obligation. It reflects the heart condition that you're ready to give. Okay. And it also reveals your expectation. Okay. That, that you're, you're expecting to give. You're not just coming to get, but you're also expecting uh, that there's going to be an advantage to this, that there's a benefit. You're believing God's word, that it's to our advantage uh, to, to give. All right? Uh, and, and the return is not always financial. We give financially, but the return can come in every other way. And so sometimes people cannot give and actually be financially blessed. But in other areas of their lives, they're poor. And sometimes people can financially give uh, very faithfully and, and never really be prosperous according to the world's measures. But maybe they're blessed in other ways abundantly. All right? And God does this intentionally because he's working on your heart issues. 
How many want, want, say, will you agree with me? Do you want God to work on your heart issues? Yes. Yeah, we want that, even though it doesn't feel good. So would you join, pray with me right now? Father, Father I, invite you to come. I invite you to come. Send your Holy Spirit, Send your Holy Spirit. to heal my heart issues. About money. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. All right, that wasn't the end of the sermon. I got one whole page to go and five, six minutes. So let's roll. Paul then goes on in verse six, says, This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Wow. He pulls out the the, 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 the big guns here. <laughs> he said, you know, it's not out of obligation. It's a heart issue. But the simple facts are, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. It's a simple principle of sowing and giving. The measure you receive is determined by the measure you give. Now listen, this is a big point I want you to make, understand. I want you to remember this. Giving is to be proportional. Okay, you give a proportion of what you receive from God, okay, what you earn. We'll talk about the proportion next week, okay, particularly the tithe portion. But your giving is proportional. Proportional to what? What you have or what you earn. Right? You give a portion, but you, re- you expect a return that's exponential. Okay? You're only called to give proportional but you need to expect an exponential return. It's, it is an investment. Uh, I, I wasn't able to do all the research, did a quick research. You know, one seed, one kernel of, of wheat, or actually I found out six pounds of wheat seeds when planted will, will generate 50 pounds of wheat. All right? I don't know what, that's a, that's a lot more than 10. Right? It's 10 times over 10 times just under 10 times and then all those seeds then produce more seeds or take an apple <clears throat> right you know this could, it can be a snack but inside there are seeds right that can be multiplied countless times if you plant the seed so it goes on let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give as he purposes in his heart. Bringing it back to the heart condition. What's the purpose in your heart? And I I think this means more than, oh, just whatever you did, the amount you decide. I don't think it's talking about give whatever amount you decide in your heart. I think it's a lot bigger than that. Give according to the purpose that's in your heart. What's the purpose in your heart? Why are you sitting here in church? Why are you living the life you live? Why are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? What motivates you? Give according to the motivation of your heart. Give according to the motivation of your heart. All right? And if that's, if that's the motivation of your heart, your giving will be abundant. You'll be planting a lot of seeds. All right? What's the motivation? So you don't, so you don't sin? Is that the real motivation? You just don't want to violate God's rules? Is it out of fear? You don't want to go to hell? Is it to avoid penalty? I hope not. Because that's grudging obligation. It should be because I want to see the kingdom of God spread throughout the whole world. I've heard people say that if the entire worldwide church tithes, 
the Great Commission would, could be accomplished in one year. All right. and I haven't studied that. Some people argue that. But it certainly would be exponentially increased. The amount of work we could do would be unbelievably increased. Even in this church. And the church worldwide. Uh, wow. What could happen? That's the purpose in my heart. Is to reach every man, woman, and child in Kalamazoo County. And then to reach many others all over the world as we do mission trips. That's the purpose in my heart. How big can you dream? All right. How big can you dream? That should be the motivation. And the, and the other motivation is that, you know what? God loves cheerful givers. It doesn't say God loves cheerful people. That just came to me right now. I'm sure he likes being around cheerful people. But he loves cheerful givers. Because he is one. Thank you, Kathleen. And this verse 8, we've got to get to this. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Well, what about me? Listen, God is able. Say, God is able. God is able. God is able. It's built on this foundation of faith that God is able. What about me? God is able. God is able to what? To, he's able to make all grace abound. And abound means uh, to superabound, to be in excess. Like just overflow. It's not just to meet your need, but to abound. It's to meet ex extravagant excess. And he's able. God is able. Giving is a direct confession of belief that God is able. Not giving is the opposite. All right? God's able. And Paul writes this, and he, he brings it down to, yes, this matters to you. God is able for you, the personal, to all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things. I just like how he uses the word all. Yeah. all. A lot. <clears throat> now, it's God's will that we have more than enough. It's God's, you have to believe that. And I, I it's a struggle. Yeah, come on. How many had leftovers after Thanksgiving? The majority of people on planet Earth didn't eat that day. Okay? <clears throat> All right. Um, but, but believing that he's able and that he wants you to abound. It's, a, it's an act of faith because when I look at my checkbook and I look at the bills <laughs> and I look at everything my wife knows, I go, I don't know how we're going to make it. But I believe that God wants to. And I'm, I'm believing and I'm confessing. Right, there's a way through this. Listen, God doesn't need your money. Hear that. God doesn't need, the church doesn't need your money in one sense. All right? We are depending on God. God's able. The success of this church is dependent on God's ability. You know? But I'm, I'm calling to you what, what you, what we need is we need to demonstrate our trust in his ability to make us abound. Does that make sense? God doesn't need the money. This whole purpose of everything is to, to teach us how to trust and how to act on that. To actually believe that as we give proportionately, he will return 
exponential return. All right? And it goes on, verse 9, as it is written, He has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. That's actually not talking about um, <clears throat> a God, although it could be a reference to the Messiah. It's talking about a righteous man. A righteous person described in the Psalms is one who disperses abroad. That means he's generous with his money. He just gives away money. He gives specifically to the poor. And there's a direct connection that his righteousness endures your right standing it's a it's a mark of a righteous person to be generous it's a pattern verse 10 it says that he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness god is the source god is able and god is your source you have to embrace that deep down in your heart that he's the source of all things he gives us the seed what we do with the seed determines if we have increase. Now, I believe that even if you just eat the seed, God's going to keep giving you seed. But you're not going to have increase. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, this apple could be a snack, or I could eat the snack. See, I can eat the snack and have the, fruit, the, the seed too. <laughs> if I don't eat the seed, I let them dry and plant them. It takes a few years. Some things are quicker. How about this thing right here, man? How many love these? What's inside of them? How many seeds? So this is the thing. There's the thing. This is the difference between uh, God's the way when you when you eat something made by man, there's no seed. It's just consumed. You can choose to consume something, all right. But everything made by God has the power within it to reproduce exponentially. So we cut those open, take all the seeds, we throw them all away. But if we dried them and planted them next year, we'd have an exponential amount of squash. Which I really love these things. <coughs> I like them better than these things. But when they're mixed together, even better. <laughs> All right. God is the source. Uh, we can trust in him. But the increase says he gives you, he supplies and multiplies the seed you have sown. God won't sow your seed. He gives you a seed. He says, take a percentage of that seed and sow it and eat the other and you'll prosper. But if you just consume all that you're given then you're not going to have any seed to plant. We're removed from an agricultural uh, uh, mindset, but if you were a farmer, you, knew, you know exactly. You need to save some seed for next, uh, next year to plant. If you eat all your seed during the winter, you're not going to have anything for the whole next year. You don't cook that seed and eat it. Eat it. You save it all right, so that you can sow it so that you can have an abundance. And this is, the, this is the picture of giving in the New Testament. And then it's God's the source for the seed and for the multiplication of the seed. So it's not even an investment. Well, what should I invest in? I better invest in this company because that's going to bring my return. That's, that's not biblical giving. You give, no strings attached. And you trust God to bring the return. And he'll do that. And it finishes up, verse 11 says, while you are enriched in everything, God wants you to be rich, and he wants you to be liberal. And <laughs> everything for all liberality. That's what that's what I was referring to. <laughs> Which causes thanksgiving. Oh, oh. Generosity causes gratefulness. Biblical connection right there. It causes thanksgiving uh, through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, 
but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of uh, the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. But Paul ends this section with a, an exclamation of thanksgiving. Corey has some announcements. God bless you all.